Hello, and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast number 219. With me today is Charlie, a.k.a. Mordak, a.k.a. Mordak Undivided, sometimes. Uh, I am Kraken Zero, a.k.a. Nomad Har, a.k.a. Henry. And, yeah, uh, today we are without Alex, without Alex's wonderful humor. He is busy, and so he's not able to join us today, but... We're without Alex for the same reason we didn't do a podcast last week, period. He, uh... For those not aware of this, or I don't know how you couldn't be, but in case you're not, uh, the West Coast is on fire right now. I shouldn't be laughing at that, but thats I, I've mentally cracked on this topic where it's just kind of like, yeah, I might lose my house to fire. Fuck it. Let's laugh at this horrible situation. And uh, we canceled the podcast last week because at least me and Alex had pretty severe smoke situations in, my, in our areas. In my case, like, we were very much in the, yeah, you might have to evacuate very soon, as in, like, the morning you're supposed to do the podcast, I was, like, unpacking some of my stuff so I could hang out at my in one room of my house that we had packed in case we had to evac, and Alex, due to his job, and also because Portland, you know, surprising twist for fires, like, typically doesn't have them this bad, like, it's just getting hammered still, not by a new fire, but by the same fire! from last week and yeah yeah so i don't live particularly close to any of the fires but charlie does he lives pretty close to one of them yeah and that and that one in particular is not being even at this moment is not well contained yeah they're trying i mean they're the firefighters are are putting their all into this. They are this. doing I mean, they the are... best they can, and this is an especially shitty fire. Like, it's... Yeah. This year's fire season in California has been just foot-to-the-teeth shitty. Like, it's... On one hand, I'm not happy we have fires, but on the other hand, I'm super amazed that it took us this long into summer to get the insane fires we're getting right now, so I got a kind of shoulder shrug on that one. Like, maybe, like, it appears we've taken all the fires we normally would have and just kind of crammed them into one big fire, which apparently is also not great, but yeah, I, it's... Yeah, this has been a really bad one. I mean, you you may remember from, you know, previous years, like, often we don't even mention it because fire season is just a thing here, but it's usually not this bad. I yeah, mean, I've I've had a fire really here in my bad. house, like on and off, every six months or so, give or take, since I moved into my place, kind of thing. Like the fires are not super uncommon, especially during the summer. They just kind of happen for a variety of reasons out here. This is the first one that like I have been dramatically impacted by. I, it's, yeah. Well, then, like, the the Portland one is, like, they have forests up there, but it's typically a little bit wetter overall, so there's not kind of this insane chance of fires. I encourage anyone to go look up the crazy red sky photography that's happening, uh, that was at least happening in Portland. It's insane, some of that stuff going on right and, now. Like, I, And in Northern California, yeah. around near San Francisco, like, in Northern California, it's actually worse than it is down here, which is real weird, because, as as you are saying, like, the North... The more further north you get, the more rainfall you usually see. But it's been real dry yeah. in Oregon. Like it's been unseasonably dry in Oregon. Like Portland's usually pretty wet already this time of year. Yeah, it's just, they just aren't getting rain. 
and neither is Northern California. And L.A., L.A.'s, well, this is a desert. This is technically a desert. Like, what I'm, where I live and Charlie live, both, is technically Yeah, I live in the craggy mountains, yeah. Yeah, this is reclaimed desert. So, I mean, we kind of expected to get, have big dry spells, but, yeah. Northern California and Portland and Washington aren't supposed to be this dry. They, they, yeah, it's way drier there than it should be, and that's that's been another thing that's that's made this so much worse of a fire season. Yeah, I, it's yeah. I I was literally wearing a mask inside my house last weekend, which was part of the like maybe we shouldn't podcast if breathing air is a problem. Like I, I I've never in my I've never in my entire life been like I should own more gas masks that actually work than like, the last two weeks. Fuck, I saw blue skies, like, not even, like, good blue skies, but, like, a patch of blue sky for the first time in two, maybe three weeks yesterday, just because I've had gray ash skies for weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. I, it was fucking raining ash at one point. Like, it, there's a thin layer all over my property right now of just ash. I will eventually have to hose down and like then sweep into a pile to decide what the fuck to do with or just let it dissolve like it does that into dirt and it's good for, like in the worst most like picking a like good thing out of it this has been great for my garden ash is great for my succulents they love that ph balance it brings with it to the garden so that's been nice but beyond that yeah i it got colder at least where i am because the ash is blocking the sun like if you've ever wondered yeah. how a nuclear winter works the like 15, 20 to temperature degree drop SoCal is experiencing right now is because the sun is being blocked. And again, I shouldn't yeah. be laughing at that, but like it's... It's just gone beyond the pale. Oh, it's it, just... it, it, you, you imagine what the apocalypse you might have to live through is, and if you told me the forest fire blocks the sun, I'd go, that doesn't sound plausible, but here I am going, yeah, it's 15 degrees cooler than it was two days ago. Why? Oh, the sun can't reach us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's real serious, and people, like, uh, lots, you know, parts of Portland are in evacuation at the moment. Oh, like neighboring towns to where I'm at are in evacuation. Like, oh, I, yeah. The, yes. town, I, the town that I joke about running people down out of my town into with a bat to get rid of them, or that's where all the crackheads should be, because that's where the park is. I, parts of that town have been emptied out. Like, it's... Yeah. I, I've never felt bad for the crackheads before, but now I'm like, but where will the crackheads go if that park is closed? Where? But yeah, so, yeah, it's really bad, really serious. I mean, it's... But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just... Like I said, it's just, it's way worse than it ever is. This has been the worst, since I've lived here, it's by far the worst fire season uh, I've yeah, ever I seen. Yeah, I think it's the worst fire season for people that have lived here their entire lives, too, in a certain extent. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, we've had some fires up in my neck of the woods. This is definitely the first one I've been scared of the way I am this one. Like, it's, this one feels, partially because it's so late in the season, we're not, we're not gonna talk about yeah. fires that much longer. I'm sorry, our pyrotech, our our pyromaniac listeners. I know this is the episode you've been waiting for and didn't realize it, but we're, we're we are a gaming podcast. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I 
we, we've definitely had fires up here. I was worried about this the first one. I'm like, nah, this one feels different, and it's later in the year. Like, Secrets of Los Angeles, September is kind of the hottest month out of the, the entire summer for Los Angeles, just because the ambient heat has baked in at that point. It gets real fucking hot. Like, J June, July aren't typically all that bad. They're warm, but not, like, oppressive. It's like mid-August through September where it's just, dear God, why do I live here, hut? <laughs> yeah, basically. But... but yeah, video games. So, I mean, other than, like, be afraid of fire, what did you get up to? I, so I, I know I've said I'm playing a lot of Elite Dangerous on this podcast, and I gotta amend that sentence to, I've only been playing Elite Dangerous for like the last week and a half. <laughs> And I, I not like a small amount of I've only been playing Elite Dangerous. I'm talking like a lot of Elite Dangerous. I am really digging that game in ways I wasn't totally prepared to. And I, I'm getting good at combat finally. I've I've reached a kind of weird perspective. Like I, I wish Alex was here for this conversation because it's very interesting talking about that game without bringing up the meta because there is a meta for that game, but huh. Well, it, it, but it's a weird meta where, like, the shit, it's designed by the developers, essentially, where there are just ships that aren't designed intentionally to be good at everything. Like, they, they, they have multi-class ships, and the multi-class ships, even in their, like, in-game description, go, yeah, they can do everything, but they won't be the best. And I finally, like, okay, I want to get better at combat in this game because I'm legitimately bad at it. I want to spend some time getting good at this. What are the ships I should get? And I picked up something called the Diamondback Scout, which is a real entry-level fighter ship of the game. I like how it looks; it handles well. Like, and it's one of those things mm. where it's just like when you get when you start kind of seeing the matrix of how the builds of this game that aren't for exploration or just hauling lots of objects affect the fight model of the game. It's this weird aha moment. Like the Diamondback's whole thing is. You put some amazing thrusters on it, and you can circle strafe around moving targets in space. And it's amazing when you get good at that. Like, combat with a high maneuverability ship, which is what it turns out most combat in this game from a player perspective is, is disgustingly fun. Like, when you are thrusting backwards, but also, like, literally circular... I don't mean circle strafing ironically. I mean, like, I'm literally doing donuts shooting something as I'm trying to take it down. As I'm matching speed to essentially drift through part of my weird circle thing. Fuck, it's fun. Yeah, I, I've been... I, I continue to be unbelievably impressed with Elite Dangerous. It's kind of minimalistic story thing has... It's a game that the more I, the more and more I spend time with, the more I'm more, I'm like, I was wrong about a bunch of this game. Like, there's totally a story here that's more, like upfront about it. you just have to kind of like it's the dark souls approach where it's the yeah from a like outside looking in perspective there is no story but once you're in it and you've spent like 30 hours hunting down pirates for this one faction there's actually a pretty decent story here that evolves across like the various flavor text for missions it's like it's not shakespearean good but like it's better than some other video games i've done they're like here's a fetch quest go do it. at least this one's like this is very important data please go deliver it Here's why it's important. Nine mission later, by the way. Yeah, but uh, beyond that, it's been a lot of that. I've watched the season, uh, this the boys' new season is upon us, and holy shit, has it been fantastic! I it's I like the I really like the first season of the boys. The second season of the boys is a much better show. It's a significantly darker show, which 
took an episode or two to get used to. Like, the first one is, like, dark funny. This one has had moments where it's just, like, unbelievably dark, and you're waiting, like, where's the ha-ha? Oh, there is no ha-ha. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I've I haven't watched I, I've only kind of watched a few episodes of the first season so far, but uh yeah, it's it's a really good show. Yeah. But, yeah. Now I know Henry hasn't got a chance to also checking out Lovecraft Country right now. I am enjoying that show a lot. I think the first episode and a half of that show could be a little bit better. I, it's it's weird critiquing because the show is still ongoing right now. Like, I'm kinda of curious what it will be like when I get to the end. It's got some fantastic acting in it though. I don't recommend the companion podcast that goes with it. It kind of doesn't seem to know what that show is, why you might want to watch that show, but that's a whole separate topic. I, it's a hell of a show, too. I, if, if you're into kind of that eldritch Lovecraftian horror stuff, it's a hell of a goddamn show. If you just like a good period piece with monsters, it's also a pretty good show from that perspective. It's, yeah, it, it's definitely not for everyone, though, like most of the stuff I watch. If you're hoping for it to replace Game of Thrones, it will not do that for you. It kind of seems to apply for that, like, it feels very similar to kind of the weird headspace American Gods the TV show takes up for me, where mm. arguably not a ton happens every episode, like, there's a bunch of just, like, the actions are often mundane things, but some of the philosophy either being talked about or played with either a visual or a kind of conceptual aspect shows up. Like, at the same fucking time, like, they're breaking into museums and digging up, like, crazy tombs that have vanishing bullshit in them and all that stuff. So all the, like, eldritch horror, Lovecraftian-style stuff you'd hope from a show called Lovecraft Country is indeed there, but it it's not, it, it's not supernatural, the TV show. Like, it, it has its moments for sure. Like, there are indeed monsters that do show up as has to with something kind of dabbling in this realm of things but there also is a surprising amount of kind of just philosophical downtime which calling it downtime seems kind of like I'm saying it's not interesting but like it's stuff's not always happening like there's a lot of kind of slow burn to the show which I at least really enjoy I love slow burning shows that like have big payoff moments but like we'll spend an episode and a half being like yeah no we're gonna sit here and talk about why this is a problem and talk and talk and talk yeah, uh, I, I I agree. I kind of like I like a similar thing in the shows I watch. I have to say, um, yeah, and and that's in that you know I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but that makes sense because a lot of the Cthulhu mythos stuff is mostly is like like ninety nine percent not monsters. Like you, you, if you've actually read either Lovecraft well, or any of the various other people that also kind of wrote under the same mythos, like uh, Ashton Clark Smith, yeah, Smith Clark, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, uh, it's all slow burn. It's all very, very slow burn. Human, a lot of human philosophy and human drama. And then there's a monster kind of in the mix. Well, and during... so it's it's interesting you mentioned that whole thing because like the so the first thirty seconds of Lovecraft Country are really what that show should advertise it as itself as like that that should the the, the opening sequence of that first episode is what this show should have running in every single of its ads. Like every single of its ads does a worse job of explaining what the fuck this TV <laughs> show is about than those first thirty seconds do and. 
they kind of hint at it. And like, so uh, kind of what we were saying is like the weird game me and my wife play. It's like, she's not big into the kind of the Eldritch horror, Lovecraftian Cthulhu, whatever the correct term at this point is, because like so many people have taken Lovecraft's work and I think expanded it and done it better in a variety of ways that like yeah. the, the fucking Nazi sympathizer, racist uh, eugenics fanatic that was Lovecraft couldn't because he was uh like i just said kind of a human monster yeah he was he was ridiculously racist like yeah yeah don't there's i've read a lot of his work and just out of curiosity no there's 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 real bad stuff oh yeah no it's one of those things where like there's three tiers there's like the call of cthulhu level stuff that everyone at least is maybe not actually aware of but understands there's the successful kind of eldritch horror stories he does, which often aren't about monsters, just kind of people slowly losing it or fucking corpses and stuff like that. Like, it's where that's Reanimator comes from. Like, arguably some of his better work is more of the evils of science aspects of things. And then you have the third level, which is, like, poetries on how terrible not white people are and stuff like that, where you're like, oh, right. We can never yeah. forget that you were human garbage, actually. Yeah. Also, a lot of stuff about cats. Yeah, he wrote about cats a lot too. But. <laughs> no, and the sh- and it's one of those things where kind of it's the so the game me and Jen play is that like she's she's used to kind of Eldra Lovecraft meaning Cthulhu, Cthulhu monsters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She will the game we play is like is this a Lovecraft? Like, yeah, no. There's like several stories that involve wizards and shit. Like this is all in the realm of what that guy's kind of fantasy universe had going on. That yeah. from the outside looking in might not be something you necessarily go, oh right, like dude was big into cults, like the cult of Cthulhu, not nah, just cults in general. Like even like there's he was other fascinated by yeah, there's it. Like, other old ones even that you could worship, and not just Cthulhu. Like arguably Cthulhu's the worst old one to worship. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, like a uh, Narl uh, Hotep. Yeah, which is one of you know, a reoccurring character, and yeah, uh, there's. There's a lot to it, but I do like the fact that, like, there's been this sort of, like, people have run, people, like, far, like, you know, not racist people have really done a great job with sort of taking what is an interesting type of genre, you know, weird, weird horror, and kind of, yeah, doing really great stuff with yeah. it. And, and, well, and, yeah. That's where the show excels, I think. It. It occasionally brings back the monsters. Like some of the body horror stuff that show does mm. is just amazing and very much kind of in line that. with it. I'm gonna have to. I definitely. Yeah, yeah I've been planning on watching. It. I just have not yet. Yeah, it. Yeah. I think the first episode and a half are rough. Like it's there are definitely fantastic moments in the first episode and a half. Like and it's weird to call the first episode and a half rough because like, the show is at its base level kind of like using eldritch horror as a metaphor for racism and so that that kind of underlying mm. terror for certain groups and also just yeah. has flat out racism as a theme so the two kind of going hand in hand make absolute sense and it's a show that's kind of about that stuff it's very weird where the first episode kind of spends its it spends a little bit too much time building to what the rest of the show has been about and like it's kind of weird to critique it on that but it's the you could have sped this up a little bit till like the actual literal monster showed up. Like that was it. At the same time, when the actual literal monster shows up, you're like, "Holy shit!" An actual literal monster just showed up. Cool. Yeah, 
and then it leads to oh, some yeah. of the best moments of the show too. Like I, there, there's still a 30 second moment in that show that's one of the best moments in kind of whatever you call this genre's kind of defining things of a character that's being attacked by monsters going, there's no such things as monsters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah, I'm definitely very interested in checking it out. Definitely yeah. like I haven't heard anybody that's talked about it. Like I've I know a few people that have watched it and they've all just been like, Yeah, this is really good. This is a really good all round show. Oh yeah no it's great falls... acting, cool, interesting stories. Yeah. Good suspense. Yeah, it, it falls the flow chart of like, hey, are you it, for for me it's the very simple sell of are you using the concept of Eldritch horror? to explore a variety of kind of social issues that are common right now. It's like, yes, do you care which they are? No, I just want to, that's a show I'll be into kind of thing, because those two go very well hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he did not, yeah, that's the thing about Lovecraft. He, he never had a moment where he really started to come around on, like, some of his worst beliefs. Where oh, he's like, he was never for going instance, to. like, the creator of Conan, actually did like like near the end like close to the end of his life like he made a big turnaround and everything and basically like became a flat out a feminist and yeah and not racist <laughs> and but yeah lovecraft never really came to that turning point. I, I would also almost argue that like it's weird to say this but like the the creator of Conan started off in a better place, at least on some of those topics. Still, not a yeah, great place, did. but comparatively, comparatively, yeah. yes, yeah. He he didn't start nearly as racist, <laughs> but yeah, guy could have done better. But it's one of those things where it's like, no, no, like the guy improved. Both should have both could have and should have improved, and one did. But also, like one wasn't writing certain poems <laughs> that are infamous now, where it's like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. The show addresses that actually at one point too, which I found like I think that's one of my favorite parts of the show early on is that like it it, it very much is aware of the like the legacy of HP Lovecraft and is willing to just make that dude fucking spin in his goddamn grave the way he deserves to on certain topics. Yeah. 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 I mean that's the thing, it's like I'm definitely of the type where I'm not going to act like Lovecraft was a decent person. Oh, yeah, no. And that he wasn't wildly racist. It's like, I... Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll just put it that way, in that his, his... The style and his genre have now been done better than he did. Uh, he is the perfect example of the, like, how do you separate the absolutely abysmal human from truly some fantastic works that you enjoy and maybe got into before you had done research into what kind of human kind of gave birth to these things you enjoy kind of thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, when I first, like, started, like, widely reading his work, this was a long time ago. This is practically before the internet existed, yeah. basically. And so I didn't know what to expect. And, but yeah, I got into it and I was like, oh, God, this is real bad. Like, really, really bad. But then I, like, found out that, like, other people have, you know, yeah. taken, even even in that mythos, but also just weird horror in general, there's a wealth of wonderful weird horror where you don't have to deal with the the hor horrific racism. So, well, it's, yeah. It's the very bizarre one also where, like, some of his best works 
are the ones that are like the least racist. Like there's a reason oh, Call yeah. of Cthulhu is some of his more famous stuff where it's like, no, it's just about, it's like, it's him going full crazy on like the horror and outsider stuff and not so much. Yeah. The purity of races must be conveyed through this nine short story diatribe that was obviously ether powered. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, like at the mountains of madness. Yeah. Like, amazing story i won't give away anything about it because it's it's a novel that is worth a read it's really good and there again it's like a lot of his work honestly didn't have the 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 weird bad racism it was just when it did it was real bad yeah but yeah when it happens it's really bad but a lot of his work has none of that so i mean that's the thing is like yeah me as a fairly young person getting into it, it's like, I didn't know, <laughs> didn't know because there's a, there again, like I, the first several that I read didn't really have that. Didn't really touch upon that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, so last we heard about you, you had had a graphics card die on you. I think uh, what you've been up to lately. Um, yeah, I've been, Scoping out which video card I'm going to get, probably going to get a uh, NVIDIA 1650 because they're apparently very good, very popular, and at the moment still pretty cheap. So they I cheap, mean, they good. Yeah, about 150, 160 bucks gets you one of them. Yeah, and that's about what my budget is. So yeah, yeah I'm looking into that. Um, so I am kind of back to playing games that are less arduous on a video card so i played enter the gungeon finally really played into that a bit i i don't know i'm i don't really think i like it that much something about the combat just doesn't feel you are not the first person i've talked to i am also one of these people that like i i totally respect the fact that game fucking resonated with a bunch of people and they got in on that thing but it never quite clicked with me, but also, like, the roguelike aspects of that game never quite clicked with me either. I, I don't know. See, I like the roguelike aspects I know, of the it's, game. It, but, yeah, it's just the combat. Something about the combat feels not good. I don't know, not satisfying, not good. I'm not sure how to describe it. It just doesn't feel that great, all the combat. And it does, uh, hitboxes are definitely a weird thing in that game, like bullet hitboxes and stuff like that. It's really weird. Feels like everything may be a square, possibly. Quite possibly. It makes sense given it's pixel. Yeah. But, uh, but I played another game that I got also free from Epic. Epic just throwing free games just at me. Just throwing games at you. Yeah. Uh, God's Trigger. And it's also a twin-stick shooter. And the way it works is it is one hit kill on everybody, including you. Well, a few of the enemies take more than that, but you are oh, yeah. the cannon. I remember this game. It had a cool art. It has a kind of an art style to it, too. It's... Yeah, it, it actually looks pretty cool. It, it looks really nice. I like, I like the style to it. The storyline is fine. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, so far, the storyline is pretty cool. The, you have two characters that you can split between, essentially. Um, one of them is an angel, one of them is a demon. And there's you know a story as to why they're sort of inhabiting the same space, and they can kind of switch back and forth between each other. 
but yeah, they're basically chasing down the uh the uh let's see is it four horsemen of the apocalypse i guess it is or yeah 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 it is and uh yeah i was like am i remembering that wrong nope no no that's what it is and but the way the action works the main mechanic is that it is a twin six shooter it is one hit kill like on you and many of the enemies and so in a lot of ways it plays a bit like uh hotline miami so if you've ever played that there's a similarity to the way it feels it's very fast paced very visceral yeah yeah very visceral very fast paced like that game you can pick up weapons and like also throw like pick up and throw weapons or pick up guns and shoot them everything's very limited uh you have a backup melee that's also very good for both characters though the demon's melee is way better because it has a lot of range it has like practically half the screen as a range it's just not as fast as the angel's sword mm. or is or quite as powerful that makes sense it's, though like it's trade off so yeah there is a trade off there but it is it's just in with the fact that most enemies are armed with something having better range is way oh, better oh yeah and so yeah uh you you do get a bonus for stealth kills and so you can walk behind people. I wish it was the same button as there's a separate button to do the stealth kills. I really feel like that should just be the same button as melee, probably. Um, but yeah, there is there is a mechanic for that. And so and what they do, the bonus you get from that is actually in your super meter. So there are essentially special moves you can do, special kind of abilities that each of them have that are unlocked at higher levels as well as um, additional kind of upgrades to those abilities. And so the Angel has some very good ones, like one of them, which I use all the time generally, is you can essentially uh, take somebody over or at least turn them to your side for a short period of time, and they'll just turn around and start shooting everybody else. And, while, and you don't have to be in the same room. So it's like you'll kind of center your super on them, and then they'll go to your side and just start picking off people. So, so and if you pick up, pick up, you know, if you take over somebody or turn somebody that's in a really good position and has a good gun, like, they will clear a room for you, and then while they're still kind of under your control, you can just walk up and stealth kill them. So, yeah, it's, that's a fun ability. Angel's abilities are aren't as fun, but the angel's more sort of brute power, mm. like just powerful. the The angel can bust through walls, whereas the demon can uh, teleport and teleport through some things. So that's also so there. The, you sometimes have to switch between them just for different tactics. I do end up using the demon way more than the angel, though. Uh, because of the very, very good ranged Are there melee. consequences for using one over the other, or just kind of, eh, whatever? Uh, they both have separate experience points. So the angel's really lagging so, in yes. the experience. Yeah, so there is, there, is a, there is a thing with that. Using one way more over the, than the other, yeah, there's a consequence to it. And it is like, yeah, my, the angel's and <laughs> mine is really underpowered, like super underpowered. But 
one one interesting thing is there's another game mode you can do, which is sort of an arcade mode, where you can go through semi-randomly generated uh, levels, but your experience from that transfers to the main game. Hmm. Like all your so if you if I wanted to like needed to grind the angel up for some reason. I could just go into the arcade mode and play through some of those levels and level mm. up the angel. But those are pretty hard because, all right, so the game is, the main game is pretty good about giving you good kind of save points or checkpoints. That arcade, one you have so to, much. yeah, uh, yeah, the arcade mode, no, you have to play through the whole level, generally speaking. There's no save points, so it's like you have to take out all 18 people or 20 people or something without getting hit. And there again, you're a glass cannon. One hit kills you. And so, and people have guns. And the guns are basically hit scan. So, yeah, you could die really easily. And so the game really does make it about being very smart about your battles. Because there again, like, you do some things, it will alert other people. Uh, And, yeah, there's a whole kind of system of when they'll, you know, if they think they see you, they'll come searching around, or they'll call other people over. So, yeah, but it's, that's, that combat in that game actually feels really good. Like, I really like, I think the game feels great. I think it's, it's extremely responsive. You're fast. The action's fast. I think that's the thing, like, Enter the Gungeon, you're kind of slow. All the characters are kind of slow, really. Which is weird when because there's like there's a bullet hell aspect to enter the gungeon, and so dodging and trying to get around stuff. Though there is a kind of a invincible dodge you can do in that game, it's yeah, it's, it feels sluggish. Enter the gungeon feels really slow, especially if you play something like God's Trigger, which feels very fast. And yeah, they are different styles of games, but yeah. I yeah, I definitely enjoyed God's Trigger. I played another game called uh Tonight We Riot, which is essentially a very very like outwardly leftist game. Like you basically run around freeing people from like companies and they'll kind of join your crew. And the way the mechanics in that game works is you are one person. You you are actually just one character, but you can control where the crew goes. With some other, with like some other controls, like tell them to go one direction or another, or move around. But everybody has a separate life meter, and if you aren't smart about it, then everybody gets picked off. Yeah, it's almost like a squad management game. I remember watching some trailers for this at one point. Yeah, and the but yeah, but the more people you have, you're way more powerful because essentially, you for any projectiles, like if you have say. Bricks. Bricks are a common projectile. They're probably the most common that you pick up in that game. If you're by yourself, you throw one brick per per count. Like, it gives you... A, there is a limited amount when you pick something up, like 20 or something. But if you have a big group with you, one brick means everybody throws a brick. So that's like 20 people throwing a brick. So there's a huge, huge advantage to being good with your group management thing. Because otherwise it's like, you know, Throwing five bricks versus throwing twenty per uh, it affects your per, DPS uh, phase, for lack of a better phrase. 
What's that? It affects your DPS pretty significantly, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. And so, yeah. But yeah, everybody will basically throw bricks in this exact same direction and point as you. But yeah, there is a there's definitely a lot about you know the group management thing. You start every level with zero, with with only one person, and yeah, essentially you go around freeing people from factories, fighting the authorities. Yeah, it's it's kind of a relevant game. Uh, it's it's yeah. There again, it's okay. Leftist. So, have you played Pikmin before? Yes. Oh yeah, there's a lot in it that's very. So I, I've heard of like it described Pikmin. as like gritty Pikmin a couple times. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the the mechanics are interesting because there again, you you can control your crew separate of the one that you're directly controlling. You can tell them to go over there, move over there. Basically, they you can kind of move your rectangle around and then tell them to go to the where you're pointing. And so you can kind of get them out of trouble or send them to attack one thing while you're kind of trying to deal with another thing. And, but if you character you're controlling does, you know, die, you automatically take control of another person of the group as long as you have more people left in the group. So, but yeah, the, it's, it's pretty fast paced. Like this is, a, but it is paced enough to where it's kind of in set pieces. Not sure. So it's not just constant constant battling it's sort of like here's a group of enemies and then here's another block of enemies and and so on so there's you and you have to figure all right so what's a smart way to approach this like do i destroy the destroy the barriers or do i leave them in place because they provide a bit of cover while i'm trying to get rid of some stuff but yeah i yeah and yeah the game is a pixel game but uh, there again, like I can be pretty hard on pixel games, but this one's fun. I, I think I like. I kind of like the there again the Pikmin esque uh, movement where the uh, control style is is a good mechanic. And but yeah, it, it and it's you get punished hard if you haven't been taking care of the group. That is, like I said, like every you know with if you have twenty bricks like in your in your arsenal. You know, multiply that by how many people are in your group, and that's how many you're actually getting out. Yeah, of you got to so care about like, that BPS, your bricks per second. Yeah, <laughs> and there are bosses, and you I thought really I was kidding. Care. You have to really care about those bricks per second. Yeah, but yeah, there are bosses, and yeah, there are bosses, and you, and if you have a good group, you'll melt a boss. Like, how many of them are just people, the man? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought yeah. I was making. I thought I was kidding. Have you yeah, actually yeah, yeah. fought a boss called the Man yet? That's basically what you're fighting. Like that's like that's. No, that's has there actually been a boss, boss yet? Just straight up called the Man. I think he. I forget what the name of the guy is, but uh, yeah, it's kind of like something like that, like Mister Big. Uh, yeah, let me just. No, fair. But yeah. um yeah, it's it's on all platforms, so I'm playing it on Steam, of course. But yeah, there's uh yeah, it's it's yeah, it is it is interesting. There again, like the sort of sort of real time strategy aspect of it. Um Yeah, uh yeah, it's yeah, there again, yeah, it's 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 fun and there's just kind of Yeah, I mean and there again, like in a certain way it's pretty timely. 
me as a sort of, you know, I don't, I try not to talk about politics too much in here, but uh, for me, being a, a actually pretty far leftist, like, I enjoyed this game a lot, but if you're not, if you're not, I'm not sure how much fun you're going to like the game or the kind of, the, the way it's It's a game about a thing, a very specific thing. Yeah, and so, while I, I say, say you can take the mechanics as separate in a lot of ways. Sure. Uh, from the game, like the mechanics are just cool. Uh, it it also reminds me of Cannon Fodder. If you've ever played okay. that game, okay. Um, there's a lot in it. Actually, I think more like Cannon Fodder than Pikmin. And in Cannon Fodder, yeah, you cut your you uh, if you if people aren't aware of that game, that's a much much older game. But you basically have groups. You have a team. You have a squad that you have to kind of deal with. And, you know, there's multiple people in your squad. Actually, there's a lot of similarities there. I'd have to say maybe more with Cannon Fodder than mm. with Pikmin. But I'd say it's kind of a combination of the two. Yeah. Yeah, in, in Cannon Fodder, you absolutely have a squad. And the more people you have in your squad, the better you're going to be. <laughs> because that's just, there again, you're kind of uh, bullets per minute, I guess, in your uh, Cannon Fodder. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, there's cannon fodder, uh, maybe. Uh, cannon fodder plus Pikmin is the mechanics of the game. But uh, outside of those two, uh, those three games I've played, I've, I've just been watching, still making my way through Gintama. It's real good. I think I'm around, I'm closing in on episode 90. Jesus. Yet. I have been going through it pretty quickly, but it is 24-minute episodes, so I mean... That's uh, still give or take forty five episodes since last in two weeks. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to get through like, you know, watch two or three episodes in a sitting. Yeah, yeah. Uh which is typically what I've done because there are story arcs. Like I just got done with a pretty long story arc. I think it was like six episodes or something. But yeah. Uh yeah, it's still a really good series. But I guess we should probably we have a good bit to talk about, so we should probably move in on on news. Yeah, so we're gonna be playing a little bit of catch up because we did miss that week, and well, not all news we talk about here ages or kind of sits especially well in relevancy terms. Some of the stuff is definitely worth talking about. We're gonna go as best we can a little bit chronologically, which means we are starting with our Apple issues. This one's just kind of an ongoing thing at this point. the Epic versus Apple lawsuit continues to just get weird. For Yeah, so we have antitrust lawsuits involved and defamation of yeah. character lawsuits. So you have Apple out there claiming that Epic is doing this as a kind of publicity stunt to help boost Fortnite sales. I don't know how to install, so I'm not quite sure what they're phrasing. They're throwing stuff around like Fortnite lost 80% of its player base, which me and Henry were talking about before the podcast kind of kicked off, where... That might be true, but that also might just be, measure-wise, that just might be that 80% of all the people that that downloaded the game at one point have have uninstalled the game, which, if you move to a different console, that could explain that, but also, who here hasn't checked out a free-to-play game on a phone and gone, huh, not for me to uninstall it pretty quickly, too. Like, that happens all the goddamn time. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe 80% of the people have dropped off, but also... That isn't even a meaningful metric yeah. for this type of a game. 
Well, especially because it's or, just in theory Apple. Like it's the yeah. No offense to our Apple listeners, but uh, no, no device made by Apple is even a preferred way to play any game, as best I can tell. Yeah. Um, but in, yeah, in any case, yeah, this is a... Apple has filed a actual countersuit seeking damages, uh, saying that Epic's... You know, whatever Epic had managed to make off of the store change are were technically illegal, or not illegal, but contract, breach of contract. And honestly, that suit may have merit. That part of the suit, anyway. But, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a weird tit-for-tat thing going on here. Um, also, uh, and this I just want to throw this in a little bit, because it's just a little quick tidbit. Uh, there was a, f- a bit of a worry about you could formally log into Epic Store using an Apple account, and there's talk of that going away very quickly, but it's not happening yet. They actually postponed that, or or at least saying they're not going to do that quite yet. But yeah, this is, yeah, I don't know, there again. It's like, yo, I don't care if you two knock each other out in this little fight, because... I, it's not really going to affect me one way or the other too much. I don't. I actually tend to use Unity more than Unreal Engine, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about Unity real quick? I guess because we got a quick thing yeah. on them. So Might as well, yeah. We we talked about Unity a couple weeks ago. How they were doing an IPO, the uh, uh the uh, the buy-in thing essentially. Uh, so which one is it? The um public. Uh, yeah, initial public yes, offering. Yes, that's, that's the fact. I'm like, I know, it's, I, know it's, I know the P stands for public, but I'm like, my brain thinks it's buy it. I'm like, there's no fucking B in there. But yes, Unity had a very successful IPO launch. Uh, congrats to them on all the money. The, I'll get the exact numbers in a second. It was like $1.6 billion. I yeah. Think, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, the IPO raised them $1.3 billion. Yeah, one point three billion, and so yeah, um, yeah, really interesting, and yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I've been using Unity for quite a while at this point, but yeah, yeah, they 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 certainly did pretty well. Like yeah. their 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 your price per share is just started high and is just real high now. Yep. So I mean. It's weird, because I remember when Unity came out, and it was kind of this, oh, it's the open-source, like, Linux equivalent of Unity, of a game kind of engine, and now we're here where it's like, no, it's one of the biggest game engines out there, period. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting ride, I'd have to say, kind of tracking Unity's progress. Because when it first came out, it was... This is, it came out before, I believe it did come out before there was a public Unreal Engine, before Unreal Engine was sort of released yeah. to the public, or at least oh, to yeah, the no, greater the, public the, for free. The free-to-use but not published version of Epic is in direct response to Unity. Yeah, yeah. you used to have to pay for that program up front. Yeah. Uh, yep. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that is interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Ready to talk about Xbox? Let's talk some Xbox. All right. So, uh, 
Did you follow the weird lead-up that seems to have led to Xbox finally going fine, will blink first to Sony, and getting their information out there? Uh, no. Okay, so there were some pretty aggressive leaks <laughs> that... I, and I don't know how true this is, but I like the narratives. So we're going to keep pushing it. It's not hurting anyone to push this. So there were leaks. It's not clear who the leaks were caused by or whatever. But the leaks were about the Xbox Series S, the the lower grade of the two consoles, and they were the pricing of two ninety nine. If I'm remembering correctly, it was yeah, that's how much that thing costs. Uh, it was about that, and like the day after that was making the rounds on the internet, Microsoft was like, "Fine, we'll get out there and announce this shit already." The Xbox Series X will be four ninety nine, and where's the where's the and the Series S will be two ninety nine, I believe. Which is real cheap. Which is yeah. real cheap. On top of that, for both of these, there exists a like financing program, which I think it's spread across. And Xbox has done this before. They're both offering, I think it's essentially three year contracts. So you get the game for like thirty five bucks a month or something. As part of that monthly fee, you get uh, Game Pass and Xbox Live is kind of part of that bundle. The issue is you can't cancel out of it or else they take the console away kind of thing. You don't own the console until you're through the entire thing. It's I've never used this process, but I know people that have in the past and they've been nothing but satisfied with them by the end, so Yeah, yeah. I will yeah, this is this will maybe be the first time that I've you know, besides the Switch that I've actually considered picking up a console. Yeah. Because the Series S A, you know what? That's a price I could handle. Yeah, it's it's a very competitive price. It's so, I guess like the important thing to keep in mind, and this is not me knocking the S right off the bot off the bat. This is their digital only, but not really console. Like it's capable of running Xbox Series X stuff, but it is based on kind of what they're saying about this, a hundred percent not an Xbox Series X. Like it, it'll get you most of the way there. But also, it feels like this thing might have a short shelf life, at least to me. Well, I mean, it can even, I mean, it will even, like, uh, and this is the other thing that they revealed, it's, uh, it will run, it's backwards compatible with the Xbox yeah. One and Xbox 360 games. Uh, it won't run them quite as, you know, with the same level of enhancement yeah. that the, the, Series X or whatever, or the Series S, uh, the series, yeah, the X, the Series X or whatever. Well, yeah, it's it's yeah. They, there's a weird thing here, but yeah, it's still going to be a next generation console. No, and for I people mean, like me that look at it and go, I don't have. I, I think it's. I think both Sony and Microsoft got out there and kind of like, in their own ways, said, yeah. Turns out, 4K wasn't as big a deal as we thought it was last time around. Mm-hmm. And this one, as it stands, doesn't like the Series yeah. S does not do 4K. It does, yeah. Or, but yeah, it's but it's still going to be definitely a next gen console. That's that's yeah. It's at least for me though, it kind of exists in like the three quarters next gen console because it's it's not it it doesn't do 4K and really I don't care about 4K. But if I buy another TV, I'm something going to care a lot about 4K real quick. Yeah. But I've also had the same TV for almost a decade now, so I'm not sure I'll be buying a new TV anytime soon. So there is that. 
my monitor is finally showing a few dead pixels around the edges. Not many, but it's is it's you know it's enough to where it's like, huh. I guess you know my you know my monitor, cheap as it was, is aging. But monitors are so stupidly cheap at this point. Yeah, TVs, especially if you're not looking so for like the like, highest end monitor. Like if you're looking for instance, like a a good monitor, it almost was a vacation giving that shit away. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I, I could see myself possibly getting a Series S. Yeah, I I looked at it too, and I'm like, huh, maybe. Yeah, but. Well, so if we again. do decide to pull the trigger in a couple days, the day after this podcast officially is out there for people to enjoy, you too can try and pre-order an Xbox. <laughs> you can uh, try September twenty second if the Sony one that we're gonna talk about in a couple minutes is any indication. Um. <laughs> Good luck, champion. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that hope that uh, the Series X and Series S pre-orders open up September 22nd, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So, yeah, get your digital queue on, I guess. I don't know. Sit outside your house in a tent, I guess. That really would be the lining up for experience. That would that would be definitely the pre-order or like early sales ticket experience of the covid age like running an ethernet cable out to like your shed in the backyard and like at least for me like making it cold so you have to shiver it's like you can just open the door and it's 90 degrees outside no i have to be cold this is how all campouts work for stuff <laughs> like pour some cement so you can't sleep right like find a rat to chew a hole in your sleeping bag for you hiring has some actors to, be to socially miserable. distance but like throw this must in the corner. be the miserable yeah because... you have to suffer for your console god damn it yeah it's not worth it unless you've had to fuck no <laughs> if you can't say i was out since 4 8 since 4 p.m the previous day cold and hungry waiting to pre waiting to pre-buy an electronic did you even buy an electronic did you <laughs> i think not if you didn't watch a baby die of exposure because its shit heel parents had to have the latest thing, was it even worth the time to get it? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't, period. Internet makes you soft, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you get back to real pre-orders back when you had to suffer for your early access. Kind of like, you know, well, the upcoming uh, Black Friday, which, uh, that's going to be kind of different. But. I look forward to the sentence Black Friday identified as super spreader event. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we probably won't see it here, at least in LA. Oh, I but, think we will. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's that's to come. It's going to be a but. blood for the blood god seer for that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, more than usual. Which is saying something. Oh, yeah. I It kind of snuck out as part of the whole, yeah, the Xbox is being officially announced thing. But um, EA Game... So EA Play is kind of merging with Xbox Game Pass, meaning if you have Xbox Game Pass, you'll now have EA Play. You can still pay for EA Play separately if you so wish, but the Game Pass keeps fucking getting better. And, like, way bigger, way more games into it now, yeah. as far as what's been announced, so, yeah. As that well being as a lot said, more... they have not shown off a lot of 
games that maybe you want to care about to see with this thing coming, but who knows. Um, about, I mean, they've announced around 150, 160 games that'll be available for streaming through the Game Pass. Right, but not, not new, I guess. Yeah, not new, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think my favorite thing I saw floating around out there was, uh, uh, that because of Destiny 2's uh, delayed new seasonal content, it is now a release day game for the Xbox Series X, technically. Mm-hmm. Bungie, back in the spot they always deserve to be in, while uh, Halo is not. <laughs> womp womp. Yeah. So, should we just head on? Yeah, head I think we roll right Sony into Sony then, at that point. Or? Yeah, so, Sony, I... Within, like, hours of the Xbox press conference app, or the Xbox presser, whatever you want to call this thing, because it wasn't a conference, I guess, in the more traditional sense, Sony got out there and was like, see you next week, bitches! And they also <laughs> did their own thing. We, we now know that the uh, PS5 will cost either 500 or $400, depending on which version you buy. Obviously, the 500 one gets you the one with a disk drive, and the 400 one gets you the one without the disk drive. And... Feel free they to look fight about the which. Same. Uh, no, one is one has like a bump where the disc drive goes. Like you can see where the disc drive is not. The yeah, just Seto Kaiba ass looking consoles continue to be Seto Kaiba ass looking. I increasingly <laughs> I'm confused because I know I saw some pictures of the PS5s in like a matte black, and maybe they're just a rendering someone did or something. But hmm. I don't hate these weird white trench coat looking consoles. But also, I think the black version I saw just looked a little bit cleaner. But I also may for a first time in a long time when it comes to Sony and planning on just waiting a little bit to see what the fuck happens with these consoles. Because, well, a lot of, and we'll get to this in a second too, a lot of the kind of big games they've announced for the PS5 are still coming to the PS4, it turns out. They just didn't kind of telegraph that correctly. Like It, it turns out Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, the new one, the Forbidden Coast, is coming to the PS4, and that was like my biggest motivation to get a PS5, and now it's, ah, I got a PS4 Pro. Bet it runs okay on that thing still. Won't be as pretty, who the fuck cares? I want to shoot some mecha dinosaurs. But, yeah, so, unlike uh, Microsoft, Sony's whole reveal of this thing was very, here's what's coming, and or coming very soon after, focused, and as part of this reveal, we got news that Final Fantasy... That's 16, if I'm reading these Roman numerals correct? Yeah, 16. Is a, P is a console exclusive to the PS5. It's coming to PC. Don't get that confused in your mind. Uh, so we got another look at Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is also coming to the PS4, but it looks damn good still. It's not a full-on sequel to the... PS5, or to the, it's to the, no, sorry, the PS4 one, the Amazing Spider-Man, it's kind of a repackaged, self-contained thing using the same engines and stuff, so. Yeah. Spider-Man 2 coming in the future, I assume, but also this looks great in the meantime. We got our first looks at Hogwarts Legacy, which I don't know if this is a Harry Potter MMO, or just like a Harry Potter open world game with multiplayer, or not with multiplayer. The trailer was very uninformative except look at all this harry potter ass bullshit look at it no look at it seriously look at the harry potter you can do <laughs> uh 
but so that, that's officially out there. There have been leaks about that thing for years, maybe being a thing. And also pretty swiftly after that thing's announcement, a bunch of news sites got out there and confirmed that uh, uh, the author of Harry Potter, Miss Rowling, is in no way connected to this thing except for using her IP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gosh. Is she, is she really just this intent on completely burying her own legacy? I don't know. It's real weird. But we don't need to get into it, but... I, yes, I, it's... It's more, I live with a very hardcore Harry Potter fan that because of events surrounding Miss Rowling is looking at this going, eh, and I'm sitting there being like, it's a fucking Harry Potter MMO, potentially. Like, you should be like, oh shit, finally a video game I want to play. And she's going, eh. And I'm like, why am I more excited about this than you? <laughs> but that's the thing. Uh, we got well, some yeah. more look at Call of Duty. Uh, it is indeed Call of Duty. Yeah. Call of Duty. We got some more lookage at Village Resident Evil or Resident Evil 8, however you want to pronounce that thing. Uh, it appears to be about the Baba Yaga this time. Which, that's kind of cool. I am... I like the fact that, like, ever since, like, I guess it was even Resident Evil 4, they've started, like, walking back from the Umbrella thing. We're kind of done with that as a story arc. We're going to do new things now. Well, not, so not that they had never gone back to it, but four was the first one that was like, "We're not dealing with the umbrella corn work now." I mean, that was the one with Leon and yeah, uh, I, well, and, and Spain. And, and four is where a lot of the gameplay places. changed. So four, they walked away from it, but they didn't. I think they kind of reimagined uh, how umbrella factored in. Like part of so the main antagonist of four is not umbrella. But Umbrella is involved in that village, I guess, is the way of thinking of it. Like part of yeah. Umbrella's like part of Umbrella's research stems from there, as does five. Like the that game's set in Africa, which is a whole other set of topics. But like the Resident Evil zombies are because of research done on what causes the zombies in five. And I think six was like full on the return of the Umbrella kind of because Wesker was back and stuff and Umbrella shows... Umbrella's in 7, but kind of, again, kind of in a background of, yeah, we're responsible for this, but, like, we're trying to clean it up. Like, uh, Chris in that game apparently works for Umbrella, but it works for Umbrella with a green logo, so who knows if it's the same Umbrella, and... I, I don't know. Like, yeah. It, it dives into the I, idea that, like, Umbrella's board just kind of rehashing and repackaging stuff that was already out there, and that was equally problematic kind of thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, but yeah, I like the fact that they didn't just feel like we need to keep putting out the same game over and over again. Just, you know, the same types of zombies, the same types of gameplay. That they are like, hey, we can still, like, not act like it didn't happen or, you know, retcon anything or anything. But yeah. we can do different types of stories yeah. here. I think Seven was definitely, like, the biggest sort of walk away from... Well, that was the know, first the... person jump. Yeah, that, that was a complete reimagining of what that franchise could be while still yeah. kind of maintaining the weird puzzle aspects and all that stuff from that franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it still gave you kind of the Resident Evil moments where you had, like, the mutant monsters and stuff. It still had yeah. the stuff you want in a Resident Evil game, but also you were being pursued by Resident Evil Dad. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, 
So yeah, I I think it's I think it's been interesting watching the yeah. evolution that they a have been willing to do an evolution of the series. Period. You know, just evolve it over time and not yeah. just say yeah. Well, so I, I think it's cool. like we talk about the idea of risk in video games. I think Seven was such a risk for the Resident Evil franchise. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, it paid out just in buckets for them, kind of thing. Like yeah. And I think they're realizing, like, hey, we can, like, people like Resident Evil, and as long as we kind of hold on to what makes a Resident Evil game actually a Resident Evil game, the puzzles, the survival horror aspects of it, risks seem to sell. Like, I. Yeah. Throw a Baba Yaga in something, I, I and you immediately have me looking at it going, okay, what type of Baba Yaga are we dealing with, at least? Like, that's enough to get me, who does not like horror games, to at least pay attention to what your game might be about. They showed off more of that Deathloop game. Um, it does indeed continue to be a game, as best we can tell. I don't yeah, really know how it plays. Not a whole lot about it, yep. to be honest. So, Resident Evil 5 is getting its special edition that we all knew was coming eventually, because Resident Evil... Not, not, sorry, not Resident Evil. Devil May Cry 5 is getting its special edition, because, of course, it is. You get to play as Virgil, finally. They're adding, I think, what's referred to at least the equivalent of Dark, uh, Darkest Night or Shadow Night mode, which is just... The game you already know, but with more enemies at all times. <laughs> it will be a PS5 launch title digitally, so that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, we should have mentioned that um, Deathloop is a PS5 console exclusive, apparently. Uh, Demon There's Souls... Be a... Sorry, what? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, this, is, this, uh, this title is honestly weird one, but go ahead. Demon Souls? Remastered. Yeah. What makes it's, it weird, it's just I weird guess. seeing the kind of very creaky first version of the game being remastered. It's so... I know you're not a huge fan of the Souls games. Um, Demon's Souls is... Obviously, it led you to Dark Souls. Like, it, And it's still... like it, it. At least in my book, it and Bloodborne are the two best Souls games of that franchise. Like, if you think of Sekiro... All the Dark Souls games, Bloodborne and Demon Souls, all kind of being at least indirect sequels to each other because they're they're all very interlinked. Maybe not Sekiro quite so much, but like at least yeah. all the Dark Souls games, Bloodborne and Demon Souls, they all are very similar to the point where I've always considered them as sequels. Like Demon yeah. Souls, despite being the oldest of that lineage, is still, at least in my book, the best of all of them except Bloodborne. And what makes Bloodborne Bloodborne is yeah, we're departing from the formula that is the Souls games, and I'm like, I appreciate you for this. Like, if Demon Souls, if you were gonna remaster any of those games, like that or Bloodborne, are the two you should do, and Demon Souls doubly so because the original version of that game, as you said, is a creaking mess of a game that deserves to have its due. Like, it it came out and had appeal for a very specific group of people, and then Dark Souls kind of went mainstream in a good way. I'm not trying to sound like some fucking hipster on that one, but if there was ever a kind of, like, modern classic that was overlooked that deserved to kind of be made a big deal of in the way this one's being, Demon's Souls definitely makes that list just because it's, like, no, it's the best Dark Souls game. It, like, everything you love about Dark Souls, this game did better, but because it was coded kind of badly on the PS2, I think, is when that one came out. Like, it's a forgotten legacy thing. Hmm. Yeah. And that's a PS5 PC exclusive. Sorry, Xbox people. It'll come eventually, though. Probably most uniquely Sony out of all of this is 
we're getting the PlayStation Plus collection, which is Sony's answer to Game Pass. It has all the games you'd expect that Sony's proud of. Right? A bunch of games. And it's free with PlayStation Plus. You'll get access to such games as God of War, The Last of Us Remastered, and Detroit, Become Human. Because that's a game you want to remind people exists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and last but not least, so they they close this damn thing out with, like, the thing that, like, puts me in the situation of, I maybe I need to buy a PS4 sooner than I want to. God of War Ragnarok, the sequel to the last God of War, aka God of War Vikings edition, is coming. And not, like, in some far away, like, hey, we've announced this. It's allegedly coming in 2021. I say allegedly because, well, in these times of COVID and stuff, stuff gets delayed and all that jazz. But as of right now, you will not have to wait long to know what happens to Kratos next, and that I am fucking stoked for. And also mad that it puts the, the PS5 timetable in my brain of, you fucking loved that game, did. Yeah. That's it from Sony, though. The the PS5 pre-order thing has already happened and was a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a good way to put it. It was so bad that uh, Sony got out there and apologized for it. They've also kind of reconfirmed there are more PS5s coming. Don't worry, we're we're making these. Like we're not. It's not going to be like we made a hundred of them. Go fight the streets over them. I stand by my stance of waiting for this one to go through because I went through two launch PS4s because they kept burning out on me, and mm. I bet you I found that worked out fine, kind of thing. But yeah, I'm I'm not in the rush this time around. There's there's enough PC games and PS4 games. Like the moment they I found out that Horizon Zero Dawn sequel is coming to PS4, I'm like, oh, okay, I can slow down a little bit. Like that's that's all I care about coming soon after Cyberpunk. You know what I'm kind of blown away about is the fact that the how much smaller the the Xbox S is than the e Xbox Series X. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. I, I know people love making fun of how it looks like a speaker. I think it looks cool because it looks like a speaker. It just looks. It's just a big block. It feels like a, very cyberpunk. Weirdly, I I just find the dimensions weird because generally speaking, a lot of people like. Put these, put consoles along with you know what other their electronics. Like if they have a receiver, you know, for their speaker system, it'll be kind of, you know, near that. This thing is so weird. Like it's it doesn't fit anywhere. Whereas like the Series S, yeah, that looks actually really tiny. Like actually, I well, mean, so you've seen looking... the uh, pictures of like it turned out that um, uh, way back like uh, months ago. It turns out Microsoft, like, stealth revealed the S. Yeah, yeah. It's really tiny. I mean, that's, it's, like... It's the I'm size of like a dictionary, yeah. It's, it, it's a large I'm, book. Yeah, I'm looking at it in comparison to the controller, even, and, like, that's very small. Like, way smaller than, you know, that's, like, yeah, it's not quite as small as, say, a Switch, but that's that's pretty tiny, especially considering that it still has... Its specs are still pretty high, like, you know, re relatively speaking. But yeah, that's another reason why I, like, maybe more interested in the S. It's it's a lot smaller. But, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, P yeah, it's... <laughs> I'm not sure what Sony could have done to make the pre-order system 
better because the thing is it had to be dealt with by multiple stores yeah. and getting well, and all of them to get on the same page. Uh, and I, I, I think sure. it's one of those ones where because you can't physically walk into a store and get on that wait list, it becomes inherently more problematic. I know we're having a lot of fun taking the piss out of Sony on this one, but I fully expect the Microsoft one to be just as bad come Tuesday at kind least, of thing. At least as bad. Yeah. <laughs> Well, especially because you have that whole financing aspect of the Xbox One. Like I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think everyone's acting smug. It's like, oh, Sony bungled this. Like, yeah, they did. But also, I don't know how this is better. But also, let's see how X. Let's see how Microsoft does. Like, I, yeah. I don't think there's a good way of doing this. Period. Yeah. Like, and to go back to your Black Friday example, there will be a Black Friday this year, whether it's a physical or a digital one, is a separate topic. And if it's a digital one. Oh, God, we're going to be talking about that the first podcast after that. I'm going to bet. Because <laughs> a lot of places' infrastructures are not up to snuff to handle that type of mass influx of orders. Yep. Yeah. I guess kind of getting into our news that we missed, but need to cover because it's important, and we're going to cover it, and then fires prevent the podcast from happening. Let's talk about Ubisoft Forward, our our part two to Ubisoft E3 that wasn't, and how weird this one was, because a lot of things have changed at Ubisoft, at least from an outward perspective, and from a kind of a public outcry perspective, since the last Ubisoft showcase thing, and yeah, watching this was a little bit weird. Well, it starts off with the uh, with the with the CEO basically actually flat out addressing the whole you know the whole fuckery that's been going on with you know. But there again, like they've fired a lot of people yeah. at this point, and a lot of higher up people too. So that's that's a big shakeup, and I I suppose he. It would be weird, kind of weird in a sense, if he didn't say something about it. Oh no, I think that was the good part. I, 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 I think mentioning that's important. I think it's. I'm glad it was him taking that kind of a, rather than having some like faceless or nameless person of like the correct checkboxes ticked, being like we at Ubisoft have tried to change since the last Ubisoft forward. I think it shows at least on paper, some guts getting out there as the head of the company being like, yeah, let's, I'm going to make this public statement myself. Doesn't change the fact that I'm not fundamentally convinced yet that things at Ubisoft necessarily improved and that, like, the week this happened, more shit was going on at Ubisoft kind of thing, if I remember correctly. I'm not yeah. sure what it was. And it, it puts oh. at least me in the weird situation of, I would like to buy a video. I, there, there are games we're about to talk about that I would like to buy. Yeah. That I'm not sure how I feel about wanting to buy. And, like, that's becoming more and more of a thing I care about, it turns out. I didn't think it was, but we'll get to it. Should we dive yeah. in? Yeah, let's just dive into this. All right, sucker. so from the pre-show, we're going to burn through these real quick because they were pre-show items and not the main draw, I guess. Uh, Far Cry is getting the VR treatment with Far Cry dive into insanity that will be out in 2021 it's got multiplayer uh they're giving that kind of uh, assassin's creed discovery mode treatment to the notre dame de paris cathedral i hope i pronounced that right um as notre dame um notre dame in paris a journey back in time it'll be an oculus thing so that'll be cool 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Egos, a game of space, it got announced. It's a VR game about escaping Earth. Got, yeah. Become an astronaut. Yep. Look into the void. Yep. <laughs> There's a game called Karma coming out next year from Ubisoft. That seems kind of on the nose for Ubisoft, but okay. Uh, the Crew 2 <laughs> is getting more updates. Yep. Yep. There's new story content coming to Ghost Recon Breakpoint on September 15th, so it's already out by now. Uh, remember Ghost Recon Breakpoint? Yeah. Roller <laughs> Champions is still coming out in early early next year, apparently, so okay. Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft wants you, yes, you, listener, you, and also your friend, to sign up to uh, remote pl- uh, test games for Ubisoft. It's not clear if you'll get paid for this, but hey... You're already doing that with betas and alphas, so yeah, what you got they to might lose, well admit <laughs> They might as well admit what they've been doing in the first place, or what they and every other practically AAA company has been doing. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a Monster Proms, uh, sorry, a Monster yeah, Proms sequel as Monster Prom 2 Monster Camp. Uh, the fuck is Monster Prom, Henry? This feels like something oh, you I've, know about. Oh, I've played it. I, I've talked about it on here on the podcast before. Um, but yeah, essentially Monster Prom is a dating sim where all, but basically all the characters are monsters. Do I get to fuck and, Dracula's hot daughter? I mean, essentially. Okay, I'm... Yeah. It, it's, it's, it has a cool art style. Um, it's weird that I guess Ubisoft, Ubisoft will be, uh, I guess will be the publisher because it's still being done by the same studio. Like, it's done by a small indie studio, a very small indie studio, called a Beautiful Glitch. And the previous one was not published by Ubisoft. Um, but yeah, the uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I want to pick it up. Sounds cool. But yeah, essentially, the point of the game is there's a pro- like, the original game is there's a prom coming up, and there's sort of... And the way the gameplay works is you go day by day, and this is pretty common to dating sims. And you go at different periods of the day. There's like a morning, a lunchtime, well, after lunch, so I and then after I asked school. This last time we talked about this, um, on like the H-rated dating sim games to like the Dream Daddy dating sim games, where does this one fall? I mean, this one's more PG. Okay, so it's, PG. it's kind of akin to the Dream Daddy stuff where it's kind of more fun than get your swirl on. Yeah. But yeah, it has cool characters. They're fun. Um, they even the, there's DLC for the original, even that that expands it a bit, and which I've picked up. I've played it. It's a multiplayer game. That's what's also different about it. Sure. You like it's I. It's the first dating sim I've ever played that's multiplayer, and you don't necessarily you can go after the same person, but you don't have to at all. You can go after different people, but you can also sabotage each other if you wish. Um, but yeah, the, uh, you can, uh, you have a, in the original, you have a choice of few characters you can play as, which is cool. Um, my only critique on this one is the name Monster Prom 2 Monster Camp is clunky as fuck, but. Yeah. And so I, I imagine that, uh, that it's going to be a summer camp type of situation, which. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, similar thing applies. Yeah, I'm gonna. I imagine that the gameplay will be similar. Yeah, you basically have a series of sort of, you know, questions. You know, situations arise, 
and you choose what you're going to do, and based on that, as with the original game, it would up, decrease, increase, or decrease your stats. And to get certain monsters to date you or to ask you to the prom in the end, uh, you have to be above a certain number sure. in certain stats for each of the each of the characters. So I imagine, yeah, that's going to be similar, if not exactly the same. I am curious as to what sorts of mechanics they're going to add. Like, if it's going to be uh, just a sort of a reskin of the original, or if they're going to kind of add in a few different or new mechanics. I assume it's a new game, whatever that means, yeah. Um, I mean, it is definitely a new game. I mean, they are they are putting it as not DLC, but I I am kind of curious as to what they would add in to make it to say that it's not just basically reskinning DLC. It is a, that is a new game. But yeah, yeah. I but yeah, I've I've played it, gotten a chance to play it multiplayer a few times, and it's it's really fun. The problem is there's not there's a there's a certain amount of replayability to it. But the weird thing is, you figure out pretty quickly which stats work for which monsters. Well, sure, yeah, and that's kind of everything. And once you, and once you figure that out, it kind of like uh, some of the fun I think is kind of weirdly lost. But there's a lot of dialogue in the game, and a lot of branching, weird branching paths and secret characters as well that you can also get to at, to ask out to the prom in the original. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. It's an, it's, but yeah, it is, but if you don't like dating games, yeah, you're unlikely there, you're going to, going to like it. But if you like dating games, and if you enjoyed, say, yeah, like, you know, you mentioned, uh, Dream Daddy, then you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. And I think, and I actually, uh, this is, of the titles here, that's the one I'm most excited about. Well, that's a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> right. with that being said though we have to move on to more stuff I guess uh, let's finish up our kind of pre-show things which are For Honor's next season is live it's called Resistance it's more For Honor I continue to be amazed that game A still exists and B has a community following it like kudos to both yeah. of you yeah yeah. last but not least from the pre-show the Division 2 is getting something called Summit which I'd almost describe it as like a tower ascent mode for it, which that seems actually kind of potentially cool for that game. They've also announced mm. that there will be backwards compatibility from next gen consoles to current gen consoles, so your friends, even if they leave you, aren't totally leaving you. Mm. But now that we're actually into the main Ubisoft press conference itself, first off, we have Immortals Phoenix Rising. This was previously that uh, Monsters game. But because of apparently a dispute with Monstar Energy Drinks, they had to change the name, or it was easier to change the name. Yeah, yeah. it was Gods and Monsters previously. I, yeah, <laughs> which is there we go. Yep. That's a that's a weird sentence to say. They had to change their name because an energy drink sued us. That's real weird. And as much as this trailer might make you think it's only coming to Stadia, it'll just be launching on Stadia at the same time it becomes available on everything else. So read into that what you yeah. will. I I don't know. It it's a Zelda like game. I it's it feels less weird than the last time I saw it because it looked fucking weird last time I saw it. This one feels tamer, less holy shit. There's a snake lady, and this is like of course yeah. there's a snake lady. 
Next up, and this is probably the one I am both most excited for and also kind of eh on, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time is finally getting a fucking remake. Great game, just fantastic I, One of game. my favorite games of all time, yeah. And it looks like they're still leaning into, like, being stylized as opposed to just, you know, making it ultra-realistic. Yeah. It still looks, looks like they're still going to stay, it's still, like, kind of, they're again, stylized and colorful. They didn't just try to, you know, really change it heavily. Well, what they really should do in this case is remaster all three of them, remove the bullshit heavy metal soundtrack from the second one, and, like, give that a good soundtrack, and then just give us Prince of Persia Sands of Time trilogy as one game. That's what I, I imagine that's probably what they're considering. If it's if this one sells. They've probably been kind of gauging this one on, alright, so how much are people actually going to buy this? Oh, people bought it a lot? Okay, we're putting out the other two. Well, and my only fear about that is this is hands down the best one. Like, that's... it. Yeah, I, I love the other two, and like the other two do certain things better than the first one. But overall, I think the first one has aged better than the other ones, and still has like it, the other two got a little more complicated in how they approach things. And yeah, if you didn't have the horrible heavy metal soundtrack for the second one, as someone who likes heavy metal, the second one's soundtrack is still a weird fucking choice in my book. But yeah, yeah, I. I'm excited about this, because I fucking love that game, but also, this puts us into the I'm not sure how to feel about anything Ubisoft announces at this point. Yeah. Uh, following with that, following that up, though, Sam Fisher continues to get fucking no respect from goddamn Ubisoft, where, yeah, he's joining Rainbow Six Siege as a player character. Which, I don't know. Uh, on one hand, I'm glad that Sam Fisher's out there doing something. On the other hand, Splinter Cell game, please. <laughs> nope. Fuck, I'll take that. That in this game's defense, there is at least some version of explanation of why this exists, like the Mercs versus Spies mode from the previous Splinter Cell games was a pretty cool game. Yeah. It was a cool game mode, at least. It wasn't a full game unto itself, but I... Yeah, anytime we get Sam Fisher in something, it's like, aw, Splinter Cell. <laughs> at least for me. The game did not show off our dear Sam Fisher in accent, though. Sadly, it was just an animated thing, but... Yeah. Uh, kind of in the opposite direction of that, but equally confusing in some ways. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is a video game once more. And not a new video game, the same video game, but you can buy it again. Yeah, I'm, I don't see why. There was some, like... It's, it was fine as a game, but I mean, it has a better games have come yeah. out since that, that are basically the same thing. Oh yeah, no, it, but it has a bizarre legacy that people seem to buy into. I think it was the fact that you couldn't buy it. Like, it literally was delisted for a very long time because I think it was some copyright issues. Yeah. It is weird, though. I mean, I think the problem with a lot of the media surrounding Scott, Scott Pilgrim forgets the fact that the point of the book is Scott Pilgrim's actually not the good guy here. He's yeah. actually an asshole. And the book really is about him slowly becoming a better person. Yeah. Like, he's not a good person. He's actually a shitheel. 
And the movie only partially leans into that, even. But, uh, any case. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't see a reason why this game needs to be re-released. It's not like... Well, it's not yeah, re-released, like, it's re-listed. Said, it's like a remastering. It's just like, hey, you can buy it again. Yeah, it's not even remastered. It's just like, here's the game again. Why? <laughs> but, yeah. That's what's... Yeah, I'd say that's way more confusing than than the other... And you know, Sansa Time or Rainbow Six Siege with new Sam Fisher. Also, uh, speaking of confusion, uh, Watchdog Legion after it launches will get Aiden Pierce DLC. It'll be a full Aiden Pierce story in Watchdog. So if you've been clamoring for Aiden, I have severe, severe psychological issues that maybe I should see someone for and not wage a one man war that kind of maybe actually gets a bunch of innocent people stuck in the crossfire. Pierce is a thing you've been missing. Um, congrats. You get to play as Aiden Pierce again? Yeah. Uh, I know some people miss him from you, from uh, Watch Dogs 1, but I sure as fuck don't. Yeah. yeah. So, and last but not least, we have Riders Republic. And this is a game for those of us that played Steep and went yeah, this is a surprisingly fun game. Wonder if they'll make a steep too. The answer is they are not. They are making Riders Republic, which is by the same people and is for all purposes steep, but with bicycles and some other non-snow-based equipment. Yep. Though it looks like it will have s- snowboards in oh, it. Oh yeah, no, it's too? it's got snowboarding and seeing. I think is. As I'm understanding it, everything you could do in steep is also doable in this. But they're uh, at a minimum adding, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, mountain bikes. Mountain bikes. Like adding mountain boards feels like an obvious thing to add as well. But also, maybe they're just gonna have snowboards go on dirt, which would be fucking weird unto itself as well. But yeah, this one's also leaning hard into that weird Ubisoft colorful apocalypse thing they've been doing lately. So. I kind of found that part of this game off-putting. Like it, this game is maybe accidentally channeling Borderlands harder than I want it to with its iconography of the guy on the bicycle with the smoke grenade gas mask thing going on. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it just yeah, it just basically looks like steep, slightly expanded. Which I, it's new. Steep. I enjoy steep a lot. Yeah, I've I even put in the time to like unlock uh, like uh, to unlock uh, japan uh because i was like yeah i want more mountains yeah (laughs) oh no like like you and i have said like it's a fun game just kind of go into and hang the fuck out yeah it looks like they're gonna be doing some kind of bigger uh, multiplayer style stuff um so that's cool i guess i uh, yeah this is the one where i'm kind of like yeah they're making steep too fuck yes that's awesome but also I don't know if I'm prepared to buy a Ubisoft game in this upcoming year. Yeah. Also, why isn't this game just not SSX tricky at this point? <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. Guess what we really want? More SSX tricky. Yeah. Not even SSX, because they did that. We didn't like it. I'm talking tricky. <laughs> it's that one song also on repeat forever. <laughs> oh, I've had to turn off the songs on a... On a... Steep. Steep. Yep. Oh, they get real repetitive. All like oh, seven of them. Yeah. So yeah, I 
just listen to other music while I'm playing that game. Oh no, I've gone so far as to listen to the SSX soundtrack while playing that game. Because <laughs> it's a better <laughs> snowboarding game soundtrack. Mm. Yeah, I, I I do not enjoy how much the steep game traveled in the EDM. I'm like, this is not music I enjoy whatsoever. <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's it from Ubisoft. It's Making... Well, we have one little bit of Ubis- Ubisoft. Uh, what news, do we have from but... Ubisoft? Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's that's all for the uh, for the Ubisoft forward. Um, yeah, not linked to this, but kind of linked to kind of Henry's ongoing frustrations with an ongoing t- uh, project. There, the creator of Beyond Good and Evil has left Ubisoft. Sequel's still mm. coming, but I. I don't know if that'll be better or worse. I don't know either. Because I don't I really don't like the way the game looks. There's nothing about it tells me it has shown me that I it's a game I should care about. It it just looks like they took what was a in some ways lighthearted, but still, you know, dark to the storyline, but you know, very colorful platformer inside to make it all grim dark. For no apparent reason, I'm like... Well, so you and I arrive at kind of a similar stance, but for totally different paths. Like, I'm not convinced the game even really exists. Like, they've never shown off enough of that game in any way, shape, or form for me to go, oh, this is totally a game. They've shown off stuff that... They've shown cinematics. That's it. There has been some leaked, and they've shown off some gameplay stuff that, like... I always kind of look at it and go, like, yeah, this is gameplay, but also... I believe this is gameplay that you could whip up inside of like an isolated test space or something. Like I, I continually to believe that there is no actual Beyond Good and Evil game. Like there maybe have been several games made that they've kind of pieced together to make the pre- the stuff they've shown off for it, but that game is in no way, shape, or form coming together in a good way, and it hasn't ever. And that's what concerns me more than like it's like. There's such kind of a weird disconnect from every time they show it, from every time they show it, that I just go, obviously this isn't real. Like, you, you guys were pushing this idea along, and that's whatever, but, like, this game is totally not real based on all of this shit you keep showing. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on from that, though, uh, Disintegration, a game that I think we all thought kind of looked cool, but obviously none of us picked up because we never talked about it after ever again. Did that kind yeah. of speeder bike combat flying RTS commander thing? I don't fucking know how to describe it. Well, it came out in June and its servers are closing. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I, I have to kind of choose my time to play games in a sense wisely. I think we all are in that place. Yeah. And so it's like, I never found a place for it. Well, it's in this case, it was one of those ones where the idea of it looked cool, and then the moment I saw gameplay, like an extended 10 minutes of gameplay, it became very obvious to me of, oh no, this game is super not for me. Like The, the trailers for that game, what they showed off of that game, were very fast, and that game was ultimately not, and the whole, like, you're on this hoverboardy thing that never seemed to quite click as to why the fuck that mattered, like, I, yeah. yeah. It's weird. Yeah, because I was into that game from its art direction standpoint, and that game's that game was ultimately a cool art direction and not much else, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. So long. Farewell. Uh, disintegration. 
Speaking of uh, So Long Farewell, EA Origin name is being completely phased out. EA Origin is still going to be around as kind of the EA stuff we've talked about in the past, but the Origin name is leaving us. Yep, they're getting completely rid of the, the that brand. Yeah. Uh, Origin as a brand, I guess. They're becoming the EA desktop app, or just the EA app for short. Yep. Or the EAA, if you want to get real short. I Yeah, no, nothing changed there except the fact that you're only able to say Origin sucks. It's now EA sucks, which doesn't feel as good as Origin sucks. All right, uh, so kind of building off of some real-world events to spill over into our fun little gaming echo, cha um, echo chamber. Riot Games and Epic Games is two of the bigger kind of Tencent-affiliated U.S. companies are falling under a little scrutiny given all that's going on with WeChat and TikTok. Um, some recent Which events are set to be banned. Uh, WeChat is no longer going to be banned. TikTok, I think, might be acquired by Oracle, but it's n none of the inks on that's fully penned or dry yet. I, yeah. I think, like as of this day, a federal judge says you can't ban WeChat in the U.S. But who the fuck knows? Like, I, it's not clear what any of this means for anything yet. Just that. This is happening. We don't have much more to say beyond that. Just, I know, enjoy your Fortnite and League while you can. Maybe not forever kind of thing. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think Riot's an especially weird spot because we're uh, where kind of Tencent just owes a chunk of Epic. Uh, Riot is flat out owned by Tencent completely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that puts that in a really weird spot. See, we had covered this before because we felt like there is a chance there's going to be some crossover, yeah. and lo and behold, yeah, there is. We, we we kind of, we weren't the only ones to call it, but we definitely called it. Yeah, we when, speculated when, on it, at least. It's like, huh, given all this is going on, I wonder if this will be a problem, and here yeah. we are. Last but uh, not, not last but not least, we have one big thing to end out this new segment. This isn't it. This is equally big. We got another Nintendo Direct. It got some stuff. There's a new Monster Hunter game coming to the Switch. It's called Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, it feels like a less graphically impressive version of Monster Hunter World, which is pretty cool. It's coming out mon uh, March 26, 2021. I will probably check that out, because the Nintendo community seems to really fucking love Monster Hunter. And this one's got some real cool traversal shit going on. It's also... I I gotta check up on this. This one almost feels like it's the Japanese-themed Monster Hunter. Like, it's got a... It, it, it's just be leaning more hard into kind of historical references to at least Asian culture overall, which could make that game actually potentially cooler in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. I just like the uh, cat ninja that I see. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging that. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. As part of this, it was also announced that Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin is coming. This is a lovely... Sh uh, so those who know what Monster Hunter Stories was, it was a kind of Pokemon-esque RPG using Monster Hunter monsters, so... Yeah. People seem to like it in the, in the Monster Hunter world. Like that, that fan base, despite being centered around one game, technically, is very accepting of, like, hey, we're doing a thing in-universe that's nothing like that game. Yeah. yeah. People genuinely enjoy that universe. Yeah. It's got some crazy lore behind it too. Like it, it's technically a post-apocalypse, like how you read between the lines on it. Hmm. Yeah. And the reason you can lift the giant heavy weapons is all hunters are secretly like genetically engineered super soldiers. It's weird. It's real fun. 
But enough about that craziness. Fitness Boxing 2 Rhythm and Exercise is out December 4th. Uh, it's another exercise game for the Switch. Now that I'm kind of in on the Ring Fit train, maybe I'll check this out. Probably not, because it definitely appears to be more of a rhythm game and less of a we're going to trick you into exercising type of game. I suspect it works in that category. Uh, yeah. To Henry's perspective, though, it's also apparently a bit of a dress-up simulator, so <laughs> you gotta dress up your dolly in I, your game. You do. Desigia, Disgaea. What's the Disgaea? Disgaea. I, yeah, I remember reading it Desigia growing up, and someone said Disgaea, and I thought it was a different game. And I was wrong. Disgaea Six: Defiance of Destiny. Holy fuck! That's a lot of D in one game sentence. Uh, it's it's a coming sometime next summer. The main character gets stronger the more he dies. Yep. And max level is nearly 10 billion, or 100 billion. That's a lot of levels. That's a lot, sounds like a lot of grinding, but if you've played the Disguise series, and I have, I'm a fan, as well as of the spin-off Prinny Games, uh, but the main Disguise series, that's, if you like tactics, if you like yeah, tactics, it's, not so, it's RPGs, like a big tactics thing. It's super, super it's crazy, spend all your time on it, deep tactical RPG. Probably the deepest and most complex out there. Um, but if you aren't into that, this is, game is a super turnoff because it is probably the most in-depth and complex of the tactical RPGs I've ever played. So, yeah. But, yeah, that new one coming out. Yeah. Sounds interesting. While we're talking about tactics games, uh, Empire of Sin was teased again as part of this, and after the stream, Romero Games confirmed that it's actually coming out uh, December 21st, so look forward to that of this year. Yeah. And uh, I believe that Romero Games, that's John Romero. I believe it is, too. As far as I know, as far as I remember, whose company is actually based in Ireland. But, uh, yeah. Uh, this is a game they've been working on for a while, yeah. and honestly, it seems like there's some kind of cool stuff about it, so... It's the first game from Romero since, um, Daikatana, isn't it? Uh, Romero games have come out with games since oh, then. I've not been following it that closely, then. I mean, if you... I mean, I guess Sigil isn't technically a new game, it's more of a another chapter to Doom, that, but also not using the Doom actual... It's basically Doom, because it does use the Doom engine, but... Well, it's like a Doom um, expansion, technically. Yeah, but yeah, they've come out with a couple of games, just not that many. But it's a very small indie studio, and it's only existed for four years, so I mean... Uh, yeah, there's... Uh, yeah, uh, this is... Yeah, this is that Romero, that John Romero. <laughs> but anyways... Are you prepared to be John Romero's bitch? Yeah. Because Daikatana sure didn't make it happen. <laughs> but this game looks cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Sniper Elite 4, coming out holiday 2020. Is that just, is that on the Switch finally, or is that just across the board it's coming out? I think that game's already out. Like, it's hard to keep track of all the Elite Sniper games in my mind. Or, sorry, the, Sniper Elite. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Let me check. Oh, yeah, no, this has been out for a while on other consoles. Yeah, this is a 2017 game. So it's, as is tradition, making its way to the Switch. I think it was even Elite Sniper 5 by now. But, yeah. 
The Long Dark is out on the Switch right now. It's actually released kind of later the day of the stream, so we're very slow on this news. Hades, the rogue light from Supergiant Games, makers of several fantastic games out there that I think we on the podcast are pretty big fans of, my favorite of which being their either most recent or second most recent one, which was the sports one they did. Uh, Crucible, I think, whatever it was called. I'm blanking on the name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Crucible. Um, I was a big fan of Transistor. I like Bastion a lot, too. Transistor is really cool. I really like Transistor a lot. But, uh, uh, but yeah. Um, Pyre, sorry. Not, not, not Crucible, Pyre. Uh, Crucible's another game. Yeah, that yeah. we made fun of. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed, at least, I never played Pyre, but I played the heck out of Bastion and Transistor. I never so. got into Transistor and Bastion, but appreciated what they were. It's like, at least just don't appeal to me, and then the weird fantasy sport that is Pyre came out, and I'm like, I am weirdly into this. This game is amazing. I will take this wizard basketball soccer hockey hybrid and play the shit out of it. But yeah, it's out of early access. It's been in early access for a little bit of time, so yeah, go enjoy. Next up, Balan Wonderline. Wonder Wonder World. Wonder World. Sorry. Uh, it's coming out March twenty sixth, twenty twenty one. So look forward to that next year. Yeah, I'm. I mean, there again, like it's being put out by Squeenix. But it is basically being made by the people behind both uh, Nights in the Dreams and Sonic. And it looks like a lot like Nights in the Dreams. But the cool thing is it's going to be co-op. So uh, it'll have co-op. So that's cool. I like I like co-op games. I'm a big fan of co-op games. I play lots of co-op games. But yeah, uh, it looks great. looks fun. I really, there again, more reasons for me to maybe buy a Switch. But anyways, yeah. Rune Factory 5 is coming to the Switch next year. Um, it looks like a video game. Yeah. I don't much more to latch on to that one. Also, Ori and the Will of the Wisp is now out on Switch, so go enjoy that if you so wish. Yep. I saw a couple things out there about how like weird it is to have a Nintendo showcase ended by the announcement that they're releasing a Microsoft game on their platform, but also... Yeah, if more people get to play that. More people get to play that in my book. So, yeah, I mean, this was this was a partner showcase. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, this is a you know not you know not first party games that they're focusing on here, which is cool. I I, I appreciate that. Indeed. Well, and so, and last but not least, we're gonna finish this out with real, actual kind of non-editorialized factual news. And that is, we now have the Cyberpunk 2077 minimum and recommended system specs for PC. I know it's why you come here. You want these details. We have these details for you. So at a minimum, you're going to be wanting 64-bit Windows 7 or 64-bit Windows 10. No surprises there. You're going to want DirectX version 12. You're going to want an i5 or a, sorry, an i5 370 357-OK processor or an AMD FX8310 processor. You're going to want 8 gigs of memory and you're going to want at a minimum a GTX 780 3, uh, 3 gigabyte or an AMD uh, Radeon RX 470. And you're going to want at least 70 gigs. SSD recommended. 
which is honestly pretty small. Yes. Like, a, that's very minimum. I mean, that's many generations back. Like, yeah. that's actually pretty impressive. That means, and as pretty as the game looks, at least what from what we've seen of it, I mean, I'm impressed. This is... Uh, this is obviously some very clever programming is going on here. Oh, yeah, no, I, I am revisiting this list because I remember reading it and kind of had a panic attack that my rig, despite being exceeding this in several categories, was starting to fall behind. A co- I have an i6 in mind because I, I, I had the incredibly bad luck if I bought all of my parts. Then a month after I bought all my parts, the next generation for every fucking thing got announced. Yeah. <sighs> But that's neither here nor there. Like it, literally, like everything that could have possibly gotten announced, you'd care about upgrading in a computer, got announced within like a month of me buying the parts. So I, I have a 980 <laughs> in my thing, and I remember pressing buy, and it got delivered. And like a day later, after it showed up, it's like we now are proud to announce the 1000 series from Nvidia. And I'm like, motherfuckers. Yeah, I have a uh, yeah, I have an i7 in my system yeah. right now. I have an i6. And- yeah, believe. and yeah, I mentioned that I will be picking up a video card sooner than later yeah. now that I kind of figured out a good priced one that I'd be willing to buy, but yeah. Well, so, and, and those are the minimum specs, which surprisingly, most people should exceed. Like, as Henry said, all yeah. this tech is old. And then the recommended specs are where I think kind of my jaw hit the floor a little bit on this one, because these are not super bleeding-edge recommended specs. So, the OS you're going to want is obviously Windows 10 64-bit. Again, no surprise there. Same DirectX version, you're going to want 12, because that's kind of what's out there right now. Processor, they're rec- for recommended, they're recommending i7, 4790, or an AMD Ryzen 3 3200 gig. Memory, you're going to want 12 gigabytes. Graphics card, they're saying 1060 is probably more than enough. Oh, or an AMD R9 Fury, and for storage, that doesn't change. But they're kind of doubling down on, yeah, you, you really want solid state if you can get it. Yep. I have a solid, I've been using solid states for a while now, and whoa, there's no comparison I, to how much faster they are. Holy when crap. When I decide to upgrade my computer again, I will be swapping in solid states, but also when I bought the parts for my, solid, for my computer, solid state was expensive to buy four hard drives of. Yep. I mean, my first solid-state drive was pretty small. Oh, yeah, no, I have one in my machine specifically for OS, and the $25, uh, the 25-gig one I got still ran me, like, I think almost 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, it is very surprising. I mean, it's it pleasantly surprising to see that, yeah, they, yeah, the minimum specs, they're very minimum. Yeah. And even the recommended ones are still, like, yeah, yeah. Most people are going to be able to run this game, even at like, you know, at, at higher resolution, at a good. Yeah, resolution, I only fall so. behind the curve on the uh, processor part, and the processor is like important to gaming, but not the most important part of it ever. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very impressed, and and I've talked about it before. Like, I feel like there's a, it was starting to lose control with, sort of. A lot of developers seemingly kind of lazy about optimizing code or having, you know, having games that run really well on very minimal specs. I mean, yeah, I, and to have a seriously and obviously next-gen game running on that type, able to run on that type of specs, that is very, very, 
Yeah, that's impressive. That's amazingly impressive. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like impressive thing. You know, I've talked about, you know, Doom 2016 running on a potato. I mean, that 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 game, yeah, this is, sounds like the same thing. It's some really clever programming going on there. Is optimization. Yeah, I've talked about it. It's but I don't want to act I never want to portray that oh well, it's easy to optimize. No, no, no. It's not. That's why usually games aren't that well yeah. optimized. Like because it is very difficult to optimize. But yeah. Uh yeah, honestly, it's kind of surprising and uh yeah. Very surprising actually. I shouldn't say kind of. It is very surprising. But yeah, and impressive to me. Yeah. But yeah, that's our last thing this week for news. We got some emails in. I think we're going to save them though for when we're all here. Uh let me check to make sure there's nothing nothing that's time sensitive. We did a couple last time just cuz we were having them fill up on us. Mhm. Um Oh, we can do the why Henry why one cuz you're back for this actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you want to contact us at email, if you want to send us an email, you can contact us at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Again, wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. This one comes in from Liam in Manchester, England. Mm. You're Wicked Awesome Cast. Well, it's always fun whenever Henry reminds me that he, that he used to live in the UK. Why did you have to associate an Uncrustable with a pasty? <laughs> pasty. Pasty, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was walking and eating my lunch, which was a goddamn pasty, and then I had to hear you three associate the baked goodness of a pasty with the nightmare fuel that is the uncrustable. <laughs> Burn in hell for ruining my lunch. <laughs> uh, and honestly, pasties are delicious. Are. If you ever get a chance to eat one, it is super worth it. They are many fillings, but the most common one is just beef. Yep. Uh, or sheep, actually. Sheep is common as well. But, in any case, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. Maybe also not sorry, but I'm... also sorry. You were bound to get one of these emails eventually. We all get them. Yeah. I just thought this one was especially good. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna save the rest of the emails for next time when all three of us are here, hopefully. Uh, we have not forgotten you. They're here. We're looking at them. They're piling up. They're very good emails. Uh, in kind of general podcast news, though, we're on Amazon now. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, maybe, but we're now officially on Amazon and Alexa and a variety of other things. If that's your preferred musical app of choice, you can go listen to us on that platform. Um, it's just fun to be in that space, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess kind of keeping on that same vein of things, we don't normally ask about this stuff, but we're trying, I'm trying to do a little bit of a push to get us back in more circulation, I guess, because our numbers have been spiking, and I want to keep that number kind of going if we can. If you listen mm. to this podcast and you enjoy this podcast, go to your preferred podcast listening, whatever, and give us a thumbs up or a star or a liking or a good review or something. We super appreciate it, and no, yeah, we're going to keep doing this until we get stopped or burn the fuck out but it's always nice it's nice to see the numbers going up again i know we kind of yeah messed with a bunch of people and we changed our rss feed and that took a while to rebuild from and i know we lost a bunch of people through that but yeah no the numbers are climbing up uh, we got some other stuff kind of i've been making the guest host rounds in a couple ways for the last couple weeks so i'll be popping up on some other podcasts out there so we'll give you a heads up when that happens so you can go judge people for letting me into their nice podcasts 
<laughs> Be prepared to hear about Brutal Legend at least once. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, when we try and fold off from doing this because we also listen to stuff and watch stuff where people do this and we find it annoying. So when they try and do it, we're making especially, or I try and do it when we're making especially big pushes. So no, yeah, no, we yeah. super appreciate it. If you do that and if you are thinking about doing that, do that. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, send us an email at least. Like show, show some support. We, Obviously appreciate the downloads and the listens, but we also do enjoy interacting with you, the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah. We're talking to you. Don't make us come to your house and interact with you. Do it from the safety <laughs> of the podcast. Keep a distance. Social distance us. And even after the pandemic's over, probably stay away from him, at least me and Alex. Henry's fine, <laughs> he's got his shots, but me and Alex, uh, got some controversial opinions about old video games no one cares about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh obviously that does it for this week um thank you for listening uh as always you have anything you want to talk about we close this one out henry or nah um yeah i'll 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 talk uh yeah uh so i am kraken zero that's z-e-r zero on social media that is facebook and instagram um if you go on them you'll also see that i've kind of asked to be a part of a uh well, if it gets funded, a kick game on Indiegogo, that'll be a VR game. But uh, that's Ooh. only if it gets funded. And yeah, it. I mean, if you want to look at my social media, my details are there. But yeah, um, but yeah, my social media. It's just Facebook and Instagram. That's all I can really have time to keep up yeah. with. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you for those of you listening that are <laughs> that do uh, are following my social media because. Yeah, I really still really bad about being active on those platforms, but when I have big news, it's always on there. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I had to ask about that, but I forgot to do that off the podcast. But we'll talk about that some later, I suspect. But yes, uh, I, I'm Mordak, M O R D four K on more or less everything. Uh, Twitch streams will come back now that it no longer hurts to breathe in my apartment and other stuff's mm. going on. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Check me out on social media. I occasionally post about it when I'm bored at work or something. Um, be prepared for me to talk about how goddamn fun I'm finding the horrible mobile uh, Lemmings video game. <laughs> it is exploitive as fuck, but it's still Lemmings, and I enjoy the fuck out of that franchise for no discernible reason. Oh, awesome games, though. I, I Honestly, just fun. You don't, you don't have to... There's no deep lore you have to dive into for those games. It's, it's definitely... A great yeah. definition of a casual game. The mobile version of it feels a tad arm twisty at moments, but at the same time, like not so arm twisty. I've uninstalled it. I've, I, 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 because of the weirdness happened in California, I've downloaded a bunch. I've, I'm going through mobile games again to see what I'm enjoying. And a, there are no good new idle clickers out there, so that saddens me some. But yeah, I think that does it for this week. So I will close it out with cue the metal. <laughs>